Last night we read that God, the vine dresser, prunes his disciples so that they would bear more fruit. We read that he removes anything that would hinder, anything that would slow the production of fruit in our lives. Anything that cannot stand in the life of a believer, he removes. Last night we saw that the way he does that is through his word. We are prepared for the bearing of fruit. We are prepared for the production of fruit by the pruning of the word of God. And so tonight I want us to start off with a time of evaluation. That is the biblical truth. I want us to start off with a time of evaluation this evening. I want you to honestly think and to consider to yourself, are you preparing to bear fruit? Are you learning about Jesus or are you growing in Jesus? Are you learning about disciples or are you growing as a disciple? You see, the point to these hundred days is that Christ would be known, that people would be saved, and that disciples would be grown. Now, do you know one of the great things that God is doing, and he's doing a lot of great things, one of the great things that he's doing in these hundred days is he is building and he is equipping, he is preparing disciples to stand and prepare the good news in the last days. That's what he's doing. One of the things he's doing is preparing disciples to stand with the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen to me tonight. If you are saved, that includes you. The question tonight again is, are you preparing to bear fruit? Tonight our message is entitled, The Word Along the Way. The Word Along the Way. Tonight we're in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. John chapter 15, tonight verses 12 through 17. The Word Along the Way. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 12, Jesus is speaking. God's Word says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Verse 17, this I command you that you love one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and again, we're thankful for this night. We're thankful for this opportunity to come on a Thursday night and to praise you and to sing and to worship you, to lift up the name of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I, I pray that you are honored tonight. I pray that you are pleased tonight, that you are blessed tonight. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I pray that you would speak. And I, I pray as we look at your word and we, we know it's living and it's active and it, it speaks to us today, I pray that you would lead us. 
I pray that you would direct us, that you would shape us tonight in the hearing of your word. Lord, I pray as disciples that we would grow closer to you tonight, this night. Lord, I pray in the hearing of the good news of our risen Savior, I pray if there's one and maybe many that are listening in that do not know you, I pray in the hearing of the good news that tonight they would turn to you and they would trust you in faith. Lord, we're thankful for this opportunity again. We turn it over to you. We ask that you make yourself known in and through it. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our verses tonight, in fact, all of the verses, starting at the beginning of chapter 15 and running through the end of chapter 17, are spoken by Jesus most likely on the route between the upper room and the garden of Gethsemane. At the end of chapter 14, he says, Arise and let's go from here. Uh, At the start of chapter 18, they then arrive at the garden. So I believe these words are spoken in route. Uh, I believe that is why the conversation, if you notice, has a circular movement to it. Notice in our verses, starting in chapter 15 and going through the end of chapter 17, there is one topic, and then one topic sort of flows into the next topic. And I believe Jesus is talking on the road to the place of his arrest. Now, just that is unimaginable. Just just that really is too much. Jesus is training his disciples all the way to his arrest. So far in the 15th chapter, he has talked about living as a disciple. Jesus has talked about growing in Christ's likeness. He has talked about abiding in him, abiding in Christ, and doing that by abiding in his word. We're to stay in his word. He has talked about, as believers, living in peace, and a peace that the world can't give, we can live in that peace. He's talking about walking, living in true joy. Well, tonight, that conversation continues. We're going to start back tonight in verse 12. The word along the way. Let's start in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another Just as I have loved you, Jesus continues, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Again, Jesus reminds them of his command that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, I want you to notice tonight the participants in this command, the participants. This is talking about tonight Love between believers. Love among disciples. Now be sure he has told us and he has shown us that we are to love the lost world. The way we do that is by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. He has told us that we're to love our neighbors. He has made that clear. He has even told us that we are to love our enemies. Well, here he is telling us of a love for disciples, a love for believers. Now, if you remember in chapter 13, he says this is how the world will recognize us. 
This is going to be so different from the, the movement of the world that they will see this and recognize that we are believers. Now, I want to point out here tonight, the verb tense used for love here in the 12th verse is continual. It is in the continual tense. It is to love and then to keep on loving. What it means is believers are to love and then they are to keep on and they are to keep on and they are to keep on loving one another. Now, what if we disagree? What if there is a falling out? What if, what if there are people we don't like them? There's some people that are not likable. Don't look around tonight. We are to be found loving other believers. Then he gives us the example. That, that right there by itself is awesome enough, but now he gives us the standard. He says, just as I have loved you, just as in the original language, in the Greek, it is a word that means according to the manner, according to the manner, or another translation, in the degree that. Now, what it means is we are to love each other in the same way and to the same extent that Jesus loves us. That is our standard as followers of Jesus Christ. We are to love in the same way, the same manner, and to the same extent that Jesus loves us. Now, here's the thing about that. That kind of love, it is only able to be done in Christ. Do you know that? It's only able to be done in Christ. It is only able to be done in submission to Christ. It is only able to be done in obedience to Christ. And for sure, it is only able to be done in the power of Christ. Can we love like that? Only in Christ. Jesus says that is his command. Jesus goes on, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus continues, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Christian love, agape love, is defined as the service of others at the cost of self. We've seen that several times. We have looked at that several times. Christian love is defined as the service of others at the cost to self. Well, Jesus says here there is no greater expression of that type of love than to give your life for the life of your friends. No greater expression exists. That is the fullest expression of love. Nothing held back, nothing in reserve, no contingency. We say today, what well, does he really expect us to love like that? A few weeks ago, we were looking at this type of love, and I thought, you know, as soon as I hear that, I start to make excuses, well, excluding this or excluding them, and, and we start to find ways to, to neglect that. Does he really expect that we would love like that? At this time, the Jews thought that self-sacrificing love 
was inefficient. And that was their, that was their way of thinking. They thought the best thing was to take care of yourself. Uh, serve others, but not at the cost of self. They think the best thing is to take care of yourself. You preserve yourself, and that was the reasonable thing to do. That was their way of thinking. Well, today our world says the same thing. Think about it. Our world says you do you. You take care of you. I'm going to take care of me. Take care of yourself. Take care of number one. That's what our world says today. This morning I heard a preacher. He was on a video. I won't tell you his name. I thought about telling his name. I won't tell you his name. His, his initials are T.D. Jakes. And I, I'm just, it's his video, so I'll just say it. He said... The key to happiness is loving yourself. This is the guy trying to preach what he says is the word of God. He says, the key, if you're going to be happy, is loving yourself. Had a whole show on it. The key is loving yourself. He says, you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. Sounds good. It's not what the Bible says. You see, the Bible says our problem is, listen, we love ourselves too much. Nobody has to tell me to love myself. I already love myself. The Bible says our selfish pride, our self-love, it is the root of all of our sin. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to humble ourselves. The Bible says to give ourselves. The Bible says to sacrifice ourselves for the service of others. And if you don't think that's true, look at Jesus. No greater love than there to lay down your life for that of your friends. Remember in chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says here, if you're going to follow the good shepherd, that is how you love as well. Friends, I want to tell you, this is a big thing. This is a big deal for us to understand tonight. You see, we have a huge mission. We have a big assignment as followers of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be honest with you. We have a tough, difficult, hard mission, and we need each other. That's what Jesus is saying here. We need each other. That's what he's saying to them. They're walking. He's very soon about to go to the cross. And he says, hey, y'all are going to need each other. Don't kick each other. Don't bicker with each other. Don't slight each other. He says, love each other. You're going to need each other. Right here, let me give you three truths about Christian relationships, the relationships of disciples. Let me give you right here three truths about Christian relationships. In this, in these verses, in this episode, see these things. The first thing we see is this, Christian relationships are necessary. Christian relationships are necessary. You need people. You need people to encourage you. You need people to motivate you. You need people to walk with you. You need people to help carry the load, the burden with you. 
Ecclesiastes says two are better than one, and three, a cord of three, is not easily broken. You need people. Look at the Bible. How many operated in pairs? Elijah and Elisha, Paul and Silas, John and Peter, Barnabas and Mark. Jesus, remember he sends out the 70? How's he send them out? In pairs. Jesus had an inner circle himself of three. We need people. You need people. The first thing we see, Christian relationships are necessary. I'm going to say this. If you can say, I don't need any Christian relationships, maybe it's because you're not trying enough for the kingdom of God that it costs you enough to have to need a Christian relationship. That's what he was saying. Guys, listen, don't fight each other. Quit this, quit this status climbing deal you've got going on. We need each other. Christian relationships are necessary. Second thing, Christian relationships are to be deep. Christian relationships are to be deep. Now I want you to see this. These 11, as they walk along, they serve with each other. Jesus says they're to serve each other. They know each other. They are told to love each other, not in some superficial way. There is a mission. It is hard, and they are to have deep relationships, not superficial, not flippant. They are to have deep relationships. That brings us to the third thing. Christian relationships are to be prioritized. Christian relationships are to be prioritize. To serve at the cost of self, even to the point of death, that is a relationship of high priority. You understand that? That is a relationship of high priority. That is, that is what Jesus is saying here. We serve Christ and as we do that, I serve you, and you serve me, and then we serve Christ to a greater extent. And as we do that, I serve you, and you serve me, and we serve Christ to a greater extent. These are priority relationships. What if I get the short end of the stick? What if the cost outweighs the return? Or what if the cost is just too much? Friends, then we look at Jesus. We look at the example of Jesus. We are to prioritize Christian relationships. All right, verse 14, moving on. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, remember the circular discussion as they're moving. On the subject of friends... Jesus says, you are my friends. The word for friends translates in the original language, held dear, prized of close bond. That's what the word is for friend. You are my friends. You are held dear. You are prized. You are of close bond. Now, let me say this right here. Let me, let me stop for a second. We're too superficial with the word friend after we read that. We're, we're too quick to say, they're my friend and they're my friend, and hey, y'all are my friends. We call people friend far too easily. Jesus says here, these are people that are held dear. These are people that are prizes to us of the closest bond. 
Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, let me just explain this to you. If you want to be a friend of Jesus, Jesus' friends are people that are obedient to the word of Christ. They are people that live in the will of Christ, and they are people that are walking in relationship with Christ. You want to be a friend of Jesus? You want to know who a friend of Jesus is? They are people that are obedient to the word of Christ, living in the will of Christ, and walking in relationship with Christ. Let me ask you a question. If we were friends, if we were friends, and you said, hey, let's leave at 6 o'clock. You want to leave at 6 o'clock? I said, yeah, let's leave at 6 o'clock. And I didn't even show up. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, didn't even show up. If you say, you know what, I, I like pizza. I like pizza. And I said, I hate pizza. I can't, I don't want to eat pizza. I don't want to eat with people that eat pizza. I don't like pizza. If you came along and said, do you want to hang out Friday night? I, we're, going to play, we're going to play dominoes in my house. You want to hang out Friday night? And I said, you know what? I like dominoes. I'm not hanging out with you. I'm not going to play dominoes with you. Not at your house, not at my house. If, if we said, you know what? Let's, let's catch up. You want to catch up? Here, let's catch up. And we, we sit down. We're going to start talking. We're going to start talking. And, and you know what? How's it been going with you? I'll just start texting. Did you say something? Yeah, and then on Tuesday, we were over there, and Facebook's on. We're rolling through Facebook. Jesus says his friends are people that are obedient to the word of Christ. What you say matters to me. In fact, so much so that I want to obey it. People that are living in the will of Christ, they actually care what hurts him. They actually care what pleases him. And they are walking in a relationship daily with Christ. What would Christ say today? What would honor Christ today? How do I know him more closely today? They are walking his friends in relationship with Christ. Those are his friends. Verse 15. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from the Father I have made known to you. At this point, there is a turn in the relationship. The disciples, disciples are called servants of Christ. They are called slaves of Christ. They are called bondservants of Christ. Disciples... Part of being a disciple, they call Jesus the master. They call Jesus the Lord. Paul uses these words very often. He calls himself a slave of Christ, a bondservant of Christ. Well, the truth is we are submitted to Christ. We are slaves to Christ. We are servants of Christ. He is our Lord. But there is an added dimension. In the time that this was written, the slaves honored the master. The slaves obeyed the master. The slaves served the master. Some of them had a great working relationship with the master, but they were not friends of the master. You understand that? They would obey. They served the cause. They carried his name. They may have had a great working relationship but they were not friends of the master. 
For slaves, the master told them what to do. He didn't tell them why they were doing it. That was a slave. Well, Jesus says, I call you friends for all that I've heard from the Father, I have made known to you. That means as disciples submitted to Jesus, listen, we know the word of God. We know the will of God. We even know the work of God, what we're supposed to do. And we serve Jesus as friends. Being a disciple is not a normal relationship. He is our Lord, yes, but we serve him as friends. He goes on, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. Walking these last steps, heading to the garden where he will be arrested, Jesus reminds them on the journey, I chose you. You did not choose me. Now, at this time, a person would evaluate and they would choose their rabbi. They would choose the teacher that they would get under. They would say, well, this one teaches this and this one teaches this and I agree with this. I would like to learn this. And they would pick the teacher or the rabbi that they would get under. The disciple chose the rabbi. Well, Jesus says here, we're opposite of that. You do not choose me. I chose you. Now, it's not talking about salvation. There's some that would say that. It's not talking about salvation. It's talking about his choice to call them as his disciples. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It was at this time that Jesus, that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and same word, chose 12 of them. He called all of the disciples to him. Out of them, he chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. He reminds them here, he chose them. I chose you. And he says he appointed them, he appointed you. The word for appointed means placed. I placed you. Or it means established. I established you, that you would go, I placed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father may give to you. All right, verse 17, one more time. This I command you, that you love one another. Jesus tells them, do not forget it, do not get over it. You're going to have to love one another. You need one another. Think about this group. It is dark. Bible says that. They are making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, passing the roads in the darkness of night. These disciples, they're not sure what's ahead. They've heard, they're, they're wondering, they're, they're not certain. This is where they went to pray several times. This is the place they went to get away. They know they're going there. And as, as they're walking in the darkness, Jesus is talking. 
He has told them they're going to be separated. She's told them he's going to die. Again, they're not sure how it's going to unfold. They're walking with him. I don't know how fast their steps are, but they're walking, and Jesus is talking. And as they make the trip, he says, love one another. As they walk along, he says, you are my friends. As, as they move along, he says, I chose you. And he says, so you would go. Listen to this. So you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. They're walking along in the darkness. They're headed to the Garden of Gethsemane. They can't imagine what awaits. And Jesus says, I chose you. I placed you so that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. James called the elder, he's the brother of John, the son of Zebedee. He preached the gospel boldly, so much so that he drew the attention of Herod who had him killed with a sword. He's the very first disciple to die. He goes and he preaches the gospel, so much so he draws the attention of Herod and he is killed. Peter led the church in Jerusalem. He preached about our risen Savior, his close friend. He wrote his epistles, First and Second Peter, as a witness. For his witness, he's crucified upside down. Andrew preached the good news of peace with God through faith in Jesus. He went to Asia Minor to preach it. He went to what is now Turkey and now Greece. He was also crucified for his witness to his friend Jesus. Thomas, he's now convinced of the resurrection Savior. He goes to Syria, and there he's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the, the historians tell us he went as far as India, perhaps further than any of the rest of them, and there he preaches the good news, where he is stabbed by the spears of four different soldiers. Philip was a powerful witness, bold in proclaiming the way, the truth, and the life. He went to North Africa. There it is preaching in North Africa, he led the wife of a Roman proconsul to Christ. That Roman proconsul, so embarrassed, had him tortured and killed for leading his wife to Christ. Matthew, the tax collector, he took the message of his friend Jesus and he carried it to Persia. He went from there down to Ethiopia. And there, for the cause of Jesus, his friend, he is stabbed and he dies all of those miles all of that distance from his tax booth. Bartholomew was so convinced and so compelled of his mission to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went to Ethiopia. He went to Arabia. He went to Armenia as well. He is also killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. James the Lesser is what he's called. James, the son of Alphaeus, he took the gospel message of hope to Syria for proclaiming hope in Syria. He is clubbed to death. Thaddeus, he also went to Syria. There he was killed in a battle with an axe, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Simon the Zealot, he becomes a zealot for a different cause. He becomes a zealot for the true cause. He goes as a zealot to Persia. There in Persia, he is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is unbending, uncompromising in his faith. 
and he refused to worship the sun god, and there he was killed as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthias replaced Judas. He was faithful. He was faithful to our Lord. He went to Syria. There he preached. There he was also killed. He was burned to death for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then there's John. John took care of Jesus' mother until she passed. He was faithful. He pastored the church in Ephesus, one of the great churches of the day. He wrote these words, this gospel. He wrote three other epistles. His last book, the book of Revelation, he wrote while he's living out a sentence on a prison island, the island of Patmos. Jesus said they were chosen so they would go and so they would bear fruit and the fruit would remain. Understand tonight these men laid the foundation brick by brick by preaching the word of God. These men, they paved the road on which the gospel would spread, paving it in their own tears and sealing it in their own blood. These men, they carried the good news passing it along to others who would march it forward from that point. These men, these that were walking in the darkness of night, they carried the torch of the light that shines in the darkness. They remember the words of their faithful friend Jesus, and he says, and it would not be overcome. They took that torch and they passed it to others and they passed it to others and they passed it to others still. And I want to tell you, it shines still tonight, even here, even now. Jesus said their fruit will stand. It shines in the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight. The Bible says, God says, he is not unjust to forget the labor of his servants. I want you to listen to this. Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 10, says this. John is writing. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone as of a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates. And at the gates were 12 angels. And names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east and three gates on the north, three gates on the south and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones. And on them were the, written the 12 names of the apostles of the Lamb. This is the gospel they carried. This is the message they died for. We stand on their foundation. It still shines tonight. Friends, this is the good news we carry. This is the good news we preach. It's the good news that we're saved by. There is hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm, I'm so thankful for your word, so thankful for your truth, so thankful for this record that we have of this, this last trip to a garden. 
Lord, I'm thankful for those that made it. I'm thankful for those that were faithful. I'm thankful for that after the resurrection that they took this good news and as you had prepared them to do, as you had picked them to do, as you had built them to do, they carried it, upholding the good news until we could receive it. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray tonight as we handle this sacred good news, I pray that we would be no less zealous I pray that we'd be no less concerned. Lord, I pray we'd be no less enthused. And we also would uphold the good news, the only news that saves the good news of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for this day. Thankful for this message. Thankful for these verses. Thankful for your kindness in showing it to us. Lord, I pray now in this time of invitation that you would speak. I believe you've spoken. I pray that you continue to speak. And I pray if there's one and maybe many that do not know you, I pray, Lord, that in this very night, they would turn and they would trust you, listening to the good news of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you move at this time. We lay it out before you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. I want to tell you the good news is still the good news. The good news is this. We are sinners, each of us. In our sin, we've earned a punishment, all of us. Punishment is death. The good news that Bartholomew took out, the good news that Peter preached, the good news that John wrote of is still our good news. And that is this, Jesus comes and he takes our sin to the cross of Calvary. He goes to the cross and he pays for your sin and he pays for my sin. It is settled in his blood, in his death. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out of the grave And their friend, our Savior, stands as the risen Lord, our King, our Savior, the hope for sinners. The Bible says this, if you'll trust him, he'll save you. If you'll turn to him, he'll save you. If you'll call out in repentance, turning from your sin, and turn to him in faith, he will save you tonight. If you've never trusted Jesus, do it tonight. Do it tonight. Settle it tonight. He will save you. If you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you've never fought on believer's baptism, I want to give you an opportunity as well to come and say, I want that testimony to stand in my life. In the New Testament, it's always by immersion, always after the point that a person is saved, not before, not part of it. If you're here and you say, yes, I'm a believer, yes, I'm a Christian, but I've never fought on believer's baptism, you come as well. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of testimony, of celebration, testifying to what we believe of Jesus. Maybe you're here looking for a church home, and if you've prayed about it, I believe God has led you here, you come as well. Together we'll serve his kingdom, his name, for his glory. Maybe you're here on this Thursday night, and you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray for this effort. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would head for an exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. We'll be done in just a moment. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.